Friday night was Game 3 of the World Series, a game that lasted 7 hours, 20 minutes. Uh, I went 18 innings, both World Series records. It was three minutes away from the longest game ever, including regular season, on a single day at least. And on March 12, 2009, uh, I was in attendance for a six-overtime basketball game. Syracuse, 127, UConn, 117, the Big East Tournament quarterfinals. That was a pretty crazy game. I had the pleasure of watching it with a UConn fan and a Pitt fan. Ouch. And oh. we did not like, the Pitt fan and I did not like UConn. So it was a very awkward and long evening in the Upper East Side apartment, but I was happy with the result. <laughs> and it was worth staying up till whatever, 1.30 in the morning. And my other favorite part of that was the Onion article that came out the next day. Syracuse and Connecticut joined in common law marriage. And I sent it to my brother and he said, it's a good thing there's no common law marriage in New York. My brother's a lawyer. <laughs> Way to ruin everything. <laughs> But Brennan, you were uh, uh, you were a lot closer than the Upper East Side. Yeah, I was uh, I was covering the uh, Big East tournament that year on the um, you know much maligned Court Visions blog uh, for SNY.TV. Um, so I was uh, basically second row beside the court. And the funniest thing about that game, or most memorable thing about that game, I think, besides Eric Devendorf thinking he scored a game-winning shot. Um, that was I think funny. <laughs> First overtime, then he jumped on the uh, the announcers' table. By the way, announcers that game were um, uh, Sean McDonough, Bill Raftery, Jay Billis, and we have in our open two of those guys uh, quoted. So don't tell um, anyone who's like looking into um, copyright restrictions. But um, shadow YouTube figures. Yeah. So uh, the funny thing is, as the game went on, like people just started the other writers just started like stopping paying like writing anything or like taking notes even though we had the internet then i feel like i was the only person actually writing i'm sure mike waters was writing for the Syracuse newspaper and someone was writing for the hartford current but the people around me had all, all given up because they were past deadline um and i was like downloading ken palm data to see what, what was the longest game of the year of that year like when we get to three and then four overtimes i was looking up trying to find other five and six overtime games there weren't very many um i think there was one like around 1999 or 2000 and there was i think it was a baylor game there were a lot more before the shot clock uh, because you could imagine a team getting the tip to start overtime just holding the ball for five minutes and you could see games going to more overtimes at that time but you know a couple of interesting stats in that game paul harris had 29 points and 22 rebounds and he was 13 for 14 from the foul line but he missed so many bunnies he was eight for 23 from the field including eight for 20 on two pointers Four players fouled out for both teams, um, and it was, it was interesting. I was looking up today. I, was, I watched the highlights from ESPN that day, and Kemba Walker, even though he was a starter, he wasn't that well-known then. I guess he was a freshman, and the announcers were talking about, like, Kemba Walker, of all people, like, as if he was a nobody, and then he became, like, the Final Four MOP, and now he's, like, a star in the NBA. Four for 18 that night, though. Ouch, 52 yeah. minutes. Oh, for seven from three. Yikes. Yeah, 67 minutes for Johnny Flynn in that game. Uh, and Syracuse, actually, the next night against West Virginia, they won in overtime in the semifinals. It seemed like impossible that they could win another game the next day against a good West Virginia team, uh, let alone an overtime game. And then they lost a very close game. Um, at least it was closer most of the way, I think, to Louisville in the championship that year. Yeah. The only reason those writers probably stopped writing is they were probably pretty hungry by 1.30. Hungry and hangry. <laughs> Double bonus.
bonus the rest of the way. Double two bonus as well. Right, two free throws. Both teams will be on the double bonus, so we'll have two the rest of the way. Welcome to the second ever episode of the Double Bonus Podcast. I'm Tom Borstein with Brendan DeRocher. We're coming to you from New York, and we're officially on iTunes, so please check us out there. Listen to us, download us, rate us, only if you like it. Otherwise, just, you know, do something else with your phone. You probably have some apps on there you can monkey around with. We're on Twitter at, at Double Bonus Pod. You can check us out on the internet at doublebonuspod.com. Ooh, the internet. Yeah, the internet. <laughs> The World Wide Web. So, Brendan, we talked about the six-overtime marathon between Syracuse and Connecticut. And did you stay up for the baseball marathon, or did you go to sleep? Because you like to run in the morning. Well, I was uh, helping out at a retreat for college students up in uh, near Port Jervis, New York, which no one's ever heard of. But um, so I, yeah, so I didn't actually start watching the game until about 11 o'clock or 11:30, when it was 1-1 right after Jackie Bradley's home run to tie the game. I was like, oh, it's exciting, and the Red Sox almost scored, I think, in the ninth inning after Ian Kinsler basically got thrown out at every base until finally actually getting thrown out at home plate. Um, and then the Red Sox miraculously scored in the th- top of the 13th as Eduardo Nunez basically sprained his ankle like seven times during the game, including twice in one at bat, once when he was flipped by the catcher, I think it was Austin Barnes, and once when he was when he beat out the play at first base. It really seemed totally impossible. I d- disagreed with the decision to bring in Nathan Eovaldi, because I figured that up 2-0, that was too much of a risk to, to pitch your game for starter. Um, the Red Sox had like a terrible, terrible lineup in with two bad hitting catchers, plus Evaldi, plus Ian Kinsler, who was about as good as like a American Legion hitter by that point. Um, so the fact they even scored a run was miraculous, and not to mention the fact that Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts couldn't get a hit for, for most of that series either. And then uh, in the bottom of the inning, of course, Ian Kinsler. I don't, uh, I don't want to make fun of him anymore, but he basically. Uh, ended his career in that game and he threw away <laughs> he threw away the ball so i stayed up until the the middle of the 16th at which point it was about almost three in the morning i think and um it seemed irresponsible when i had to be up and like leading and mentoring young people at like 8 30 uh that i should keep staying up um but i already already canceled my running plans oh, wait, with my you, friend you, who was so up you there literally thought of the children who went to bed yeah. Well, I mean, they're young they're, they're all eighteen. Yeah, young adults. Yeah. Um, so I went to bed. I had the game still on on my tablet in the middle of the sixteenth inning, and it took me about a half inning to fall asleep. And then basically, I kind of woke up right after Muncie had hit the the walk off home run. I, once the Red Sox had given up that run in the thirteenth, I didn't see any way that they could they would win. Although baseball is weird like that, and uh, luckily I was right because it would have been a bummer to miss a Red Sox win uh, in that kind of game. Yeah, it would have been terrible. My biggest beef with the Red Sox is they couldn't have extended the baseball season a few more days. Baseball season fits in very nicely right in between college basketball. We could have had baseball tonight. We could have baseball tomorrow night, Tuesday and Wednesday, and college basketball tips off next week, but no such luck. So thanks for nothing, Red Sox. I thought your biggest beef was how you thought that – I heard, I heard <laughs> from sources. Sources. Um, sources that you were basically blasting – Nathan Eovaldi as a coward loser <laughs> and not as the hero that the rest of America sees him as. Well, first of is all, that, is that accurate? I, no, I had nothing against Nathan Eovaldi. He pitched fine, but he lost the game, and everyone's acting like he's some sort of hero. Like, Walker Bueller pitched seven innings that were better than his. So I just don't get it. Like, he didn't go through the killing fields. He pitched in relief on more than full rest. Calm down, okay? <laughs> Who cares? They lost. Yes, was it 
was it an impressive performance? Did maybe it save the bullpen? Sure, but like they acted like he was some sort of hero. All he did was throw six innings and one run ball. If he'd started the game, would anyone have said anything? No. So anyway. How do you think Drew Pomeranz is feeling right Not now? Great. Like he, yeah, we got... like the, they literally were like, we're going to use our fourth game four starter who just pitched in the last two games instead of deigning to put uh, Drew Pomeranz on the mound for even a single pitch in the World Series. Uh, yeah, well, whatever. I don't really. He's, he got a World Series share in a ring. So, and what sports this podcast about anyway? <laughs> and so did Ian Kinsler. Anyway. <laughs> Ian Kinsler went to Kansas for to Arizona State and transferred to Missouri, and those are two schools that have basketball programs. So I'm going to segue, segue. Uh, from yeah, it's a good segue from that into um, uh, our first topic tonight, which is uh, you know the season starting in about a week. By the time you listen, this will be less than a week because uh, we're literally podcasting exactly a week from when the season is starting. Um, you know, we're, so we're doing to play a couple games today to kind of. Uh, make some picks and hold each other accountable to them. The first is looking at some of the top teams. Uh, we're going to call it the Final Four draft, but it's a specific kind of draft. Basically, it's one of those things you might have seen online with, with like picking one player from each position for your all-time NBA team. Basically, there's 20 teams, and the teams are given values of five, four, three, two, or one dollar. You have to, and every other team besides those 20 is zero dollars. Um, and basically, you have to pick four Final Four teams and can't spend more than $11. So just to quickly run through, we basically aggregated uh, all of the major um, ranking systems plus Andy Katz um, and came up with our tiers of teams. So the, the $5 teams, the top four teams, are Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, Kentucky. Those are alphabetical order. The, second, the $4 teams are Nevada, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. The $3 teams are Auburn, Michigan State, Villanova, and West Virginia. The $2 teams are Florida State, Kansas State, Oregon, and Syracuse. And the $1 teams are Clemson, Michigan, Mississippi State, and Virginia Tech. Um, so I don't know, Tom, what are, you, what are you thinking? Tell me the first team you want to take. Kansas. <laughs> okay, so Kansas fan. Kansas fan from Long Island. Tom Borstein Kansas. takes Kansas. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they're okay. the... I don't know. It's an interesting uh, group of teams. Duke has all freshmen, basically, in their rotation. Gonzaga's got a lot of players back, but won't be tested for most of the year. And Kentucky is another mishmash of um, transfers, one and dones, and a couple of returners. So we'll see. I like Kansas. I like Bill Self. They're the most consistent of those teams from year to year. So I'll spend five bucks on Kansas. So I have six dollars left okay. for four teams. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna make my pick. And again, we we could overlap. We could all pick yeah. the same team, but uh, Don't do that. Be um, I am. I may pick a five dollar team down the line, but my first pick is going to be four dollar North Carolina. This seems like a a really really deep North Carolina team. They're pretty much they're, they're underratedly good every year. Um, very good in conference. Uh, Roy Williams has won a lot more conference titles than. Um, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, since Roy Williams took over there, um, they return Luke May, who many consider to be a Player of the Year candidate, first-team All-American. They return Cameron Johnson, who's in his second year transferring from Pitt. Kenny Williams, who is also a good wing player for them. They also return their kind of mediocre front court of Sterling Manley and uh, uh, Garrison Brooks. They do lose Joel Berry and Theo Pinson, but Berry didn't have a great year last year. Pinson was fine. Uh, and they bring in Nasir Little, who's one of the top freshmen in America um, and probably one of the top five picks in the NBA draft next year. And he has the physical stature. It's 6'6 and muscular and long to be a, both a defensive and offensive beast. 
Kobe White at point guard. Probably the biggest question, but he is a highly touted point guard. He's very long at 6'5". They're going to have a lot of length in the perimeter. Uh, they should be able to run really well. Um, and it's just a deep team. They can go 10, 11 deep. Um, and so I think that this is a this is a North Carolina year. Um, and, I, and I have North Carolina as my first pick. Nice. I'm going to stay in the ACC and go with Virginia Tech. Ooh, Virginia Tech. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Costing me one dollar. So I have, uh, let's see. Uh, Leonard Hamilton. So Virginia Tech. Uh, it's actually in Roanoke last year. Big game against uh, Louisville. Did you tell anyone to get lost? <laughs> no, I didn't. You get it? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a Roanoke joke. Yeah, I think they're uh, pretty good. They spaced <laughs> it pretty well. They got a lot of good outside shooting. They were very good offensively under Buzz Williams. They had they were sixth I think in the country last year in effective field goal percentage. So they're not stupid. They know what they're doing. Uh, I think they can. They'll be tested throughout that conference. And I really like Justin Robinson coming back. And I think they will. Uh, he's the senior. And I think that they're a bargain in that stretch of the uh, the draft. I'm not saying like that. if you were giving me four final four teams to pick, I wouldn't pick Virginia Tech. But at one dollar, the other one dollar teams, Clemson. Michigan, who knows, and uh, Mississippi State with Ben Allen. I'll take, I'll take my chances with Virginia Tech. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to go Virginia, but with Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech, uh, Buzz Williams basically only recruits players who can shoot really well. Um, they also allowed a ton of three-pointers this year, um, or last year, rather. Um, but they're, uh, they're returning pretty much everyone, uh, and they have a lot of talent. So, um Nikhil Walker Alexander is one of those great long names. He was a freshman last year. He's going to be a sophomore this year. Obisi Bede uh, is a guy from a Northeast Prep School who went down there. He's a backup point guard. He's uh, pretty athletic. Um, yeah. So now I have to pick some teams. I have to pick a team. This is a tough one. I'm actually going to go with a team that's not on the board. I'm going to go with Florida as a $0 team. Um, so Florida for zero dollars. Um, Mike White, uh, he did lose Chris Chioza and Igor Kulichev, and Kulichev's a little bit underrated because he allowed them to play uh, four out a lot, and they might not be able to do that quite as well this year. Um, but with Kevon Allen and Jalen Hudson back, and Andrew Nemhard at point guard, um, he's going to be distributing the ball really well. Uh, he passed first point guard, and they don't need a guy that can shoot in that position. Uh, they have a lot of talent up front, um, led by Keystone and Kavarius Hayes. Uh, I really think that uh, this is a team that's been a little bit underrated in the SEC, um, in a very deep SEC, and it seems like the kind of team that could be like a three or four or five seed in the NCAA tournament and then get a few wins. Uh, one thing about scoring for this, and uh, in the past when I've done this draft with friends, um, we've done... The first tiebreaker, the, the, we're trying to get as most NCAA tournament wins, um, and then the, the first tiebreaker is Final Four uh, teams. But it could be the reverse, too. So it's a Final Four draft, shouldn't it? If you have yeah, more Final guess, Four teams, you're, right, you're, you're probably right. going to have more wins, though. So. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's right. The first, <laughs> the, the Final Four teams, and then the, the uh, tiebreaker is uh, how many overall NCAA tournament wins you have. Again, not counting the first four. I don't I don't count the first four when it comes to that. Sure, sure. So. So you have Kansas and Virginia Tech. I have North Carolina and Florida. Who is next on your ballot? I am going to go with Syracuse. Another – not that I want them to make it, believe me. In fact, by picking them here, 
I'm virtually sure they will not make it, so I'm actually doing us both a favor. Jim Beheim still running around, playing a 2-3 zone, doing great. Brings back a lot of players. They're projected to be excellent defensively. They were kind of snuck up on people last year uh, during the tournament, and very surprising and annoying, as they always are. You go on Twitter, all these people, and Facebook, all these people who haven't tweeted or Facebooked about Syracuse all year suddenly are all into the, the team. They made a, um, and they, last year they... They couldn't tell Pascal Chuku from Blaze Pascal. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got, you got everyone coming back. They, had a very, they beat good teams in the tournament last year. It's not like they lost, they beat um, bad teams. They beat TCU in the second round. They beat Michigan State um, in the third round last year. Sorry, in the... Uh, yeah, no, in the second. Yeah, in the Sweet 16, they lost to Duke. No, sorry. One more time. Yeah, I think that's right. No, they played in the uh, first four. Uh, they were in the first four last yeah, year. Yeah. I must remember. TCU yeah, in the first round, Michigan State in the second round, then hung tight with Duke uh, in the regional semi before Duke lost to um, Kansas. Um, yeah, so Bayheim's kind of um, nearing the end of the road, but his defense is really, and it's a tricky matchup to play in the tournament. So I'm going to take my chances uh, with Syracuse. Yeah, they should have a little bit more depth this year. They had the fewest bench minutes in the country last year, and they also had the best defense in the Ken Palm era for, for a Jim Beheim team and the worst offense in the Ken Palm era for a Jim Beheim team. A lot of inefficient shots, but maybe some more depth will keep guys a little fresher, run better sets. Uh, I think I've said something about Leonard Hamilton at one point. I'm not sure why. And then I mentioned Buzz Williams was averaging a tech. I think the reason why I said that is because um, stuck in my head was uh, – my $2 pick, which is actually Leonard Hamilton's Florida State, um, which I feel like we've taken four ACC teams, and, you know, I can't stand the ACC, but um, but I uh, it, it looks like a pretty good conference this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, Florida State is very long, very athletic. Uh, they always have, like, seven-footers to spare. Uh, Phil Kofer is out to start the season. Um, so that's something to keep in mind because they're going to have some tough non-conference games, including uh, playing Florida in this opening week. He's out four to six weeks with a broken foot, and uh, so he, he, they're probably going to miss two of their big non-conference games. Um, but this is a deep team. They only really lost a C.J. Walker, um, but he was actually a negative a lot of times last year. And they bring in Trent Forrest. They bring in David Nichols, who's from Albany, a transfer, who's a guy that could be very solid either off the bench or as a starting point guard. They have um, Terrence Mann, who's a really athletic wing, who can stretch the floor as well. Uh, Christ Kamaji is their 7'4 guy. Um, they have... Uh, Kevin Gele, who's 6'10", and also a shot blocker. Uh, so they're very difficult defensively. Uh, Leonard Hamilton has had some weird teams, though, where they underachieve with really high talent, or, and then they have weird seasons where they overachieve and do well, like last year in the Mentally Elite Eight, after losing uh, Xavier, Rathon, Mays, and, um, and Dwayne Bacon, and Jonathan Isaac, who, of course, is a lottery pick. So I, it, seems, it feels a little bit risky, but if you're talking about upside, and that's what a Final Four pool is about, I'll take the upside of a Florida State team that is highly athletic. Uh, and that'll be my third Final Four pool pick. Cool. Um, guess what? So some of us are going to be wrong, but we're right in the ACC. Because I am taking – I think I can pick Virginia. Wait, no, I can't. They have five, nope, I can't pick Virginia, right? Let's see how my math is. $5, $2. Now I need to pick a $3 team. Oof. Well, I'll make it awkward. Let's go Auburn. <laughs> they are very good offensively. Auburn. They, uh, yeah, why not? Okay. Bruce Pearl, you know, everyone's favorite coach. I think he, people get along well with him, right? Coaches respect him. It doesn't bother. All right. 
Well, um, I think I don't know. I got nothing to say about Bruce Pearl. <laughs> you have nothing to say about Bruce Pearl. I was talking about Bruce Pearl last week. I give him credit. They were picked like 14th or 12th or something in the SEC, and they ended up tying for the conference title. It's pretty impressive, and they do lose Mustafa Heron to St. John's. Um, they were really good because they played four out a lot last year, and this year they actually have a lot of their bigs. They have a lot bigger, which makes them potentially better defensively, and I wonder about them offensively with, with more bigs because if they start yeah. Kelly and right. Austin mm-hmm. Wiley, who some people have, is like, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, they were uh, very fast and very spacey last year. And they remember, forget that Bruce Pearl took a team that everyone figured was going to finish in the bottom of the SEC and finished well. Don't forget, two of their biggest players were ruled ineligible to start the year, and Daniel Purfoy and Austin Wiley. So he has done a good job. And I think that, yeah, Jared Harper back, and they really – they lost a few players, but I think they'll be fine. And I think the SEC, they're gonna, it's going to be a better testing ground. I'm not high on Tennessee. I know you're not either. And I think they can challenge Kentucky this year uh, if Kentucky can slip up a bit. So I'll take, uh, I'll take Auburn with my final pick. And I know everyone here. People don't – didn't Bruce Pearl like ratted people out when he was at Wisconsin Green Bay? Right? Uh, Southern uh, – yeah, he was at um... – he was at uh, Illinois or Indiana. I think he was at in. He might have been at Purdue actually. Let me look that up so I don't I don't piss off the wrong fan base. Not that anyone's listening anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people will eventually listen. But once we're famous podcasters, people will go back and listen to early episodes, and then and then this will this will piss off uh, the wrong people, and you don't want that to happen. Um, I think he was a coach at Purdue under uh, Gene Cady, and I think that's where it happened. I think he ratted out like Illinois and Lou Henson. I think that was the story. Uh, no, he was the, actually he was at Iowa. Uh, That's what okay. it was. He was at Iowa under Dr. Tom Davis. Which is, we've talked about Keno Davis last week in reference to Bruce Pearl. Yeah. And, uh, and I will say one thing uh, about Tennessee, Pearl being a former Tennessee coach. I'm tired of coming around on Tennessee a little bit just because of their defense is so good. We'll, we'll see about them in March. But uh, they're not my last pick. My last pick is I have $5 left, and I am going to pick Kentucky. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was debating between them and um, Gonzaga. I also really like Virginia. But ultimately, I think this is a Kentucky team that is uh, really deep. They have better shooting this year. They have a little bit more um, uh, experience than they've had in the past. Um, I am, again, worried about the John Calipari offense. He hasn't shown much creativity on offense with top talent the last few years. But the fact that he has Quad A Green to shoot the ball... The fact that he has Tyler Harrow to shoot the ball, Emmanuel Quickly and Ashton Hagens who can play point or off the ball. P.J. Washington is, should be one of their best players. Reed Travis comes in. I'm not a huge Reed Travis guy, but I think he's the kind of solid guy that you can count on night after night. You can rebound. Keldon Johnson is probably their best freshman. I didn't even mention him yet, and he's going to probably start at the wing for them. Um, and then I, I didn't even mention E.J. Montgomery or Nick Richards. You said they were deep, uh, so you, mentioned, you kind of mentioned yeah. them, you know. I mentioned them by proxy, just yeah. by talking about their depth. Um, so, uh, you know, I, the teams I'm picking here aren't really my favorite teams like to root for. I'm not a big Kentucky fan um, ever since the lovable Rick Pitino left in 1997, um, former Providence College coach. But um, I do think that this Kentucky team, if Cal Perry can fin- figure out who is best like eight is by the end, or eight are by the end of um, February, uh, this is the kind of team that is 
deep enough and good enough and has good enough shooting to make the Final Four. Uh, looking over your Final Four, just to refresh, I picked Kansas, Auburn, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. You picked Kentucky, North Carolina, Florida State, and Florida. Now let's say the semifinals are you know, Kansas and Virginia Tech, Auburn, Syracuse. Ugh. Or Kentucky, Florida, <laughs> North Carolina, Florida State. I think your Final Four is definitely a more entertaining Final Four. Definitely certainly better brands yeah. there. So yeah, CBS would be rooting for that yes. one for sure. So that's that's the thing that jumps out at me. But no, I think uh, yeah, AC, But this is a good exercise. It shows how high everyone is on the ACC. Only one Big Twelve team picked among the um, eight picks, and we have yeah. you know a Big Twelve fan here, and Big Twelve is always good. Three. So yeah, three SEC teams. The Big Twelve has done really has a really good top to bottom league. We can get into this later, but. They have had trouble to get that top, top team besides uh, Kansas to have a good run in the NCAA tournament. We had what? Tech went to the Elite Eight last year. West Virginia went to Sweet 16 last year. Um, Oklahoma's yeah. made we'll the Final a couple years there. ago. But yeah, you're just talking last year. Yeah. And they lost by 40 to Villanova. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was tough. Big 12's gotten blown up by Villanova twice in the last three Final Fours. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's move on to um, – hope you enjoyed that, everyone. If you didn't enjoy it, well, yeah. again, Tom and I are here really to help each other enjoy college basketball more. So hopefully you can enjoy it along the way. Uh, we're going to go to uh, our next segment, in which, which we're calling Overrated, Underrated. Basically, we've um, I've typed out all of the preseason polls for the six major conferences. Again, that's the ACC – Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC. One thing I do want to note is, you know, Tom and I are going to try to cover the entire nation, um, but we have split up the conferences in terms of focuses. Um, It's probably not that relevant to you, but uh, I have the ACC, Big East, and Big Ten. Uh, Tom has the Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC. And then for the kind of next tier of conferences, I have the American, the Atlantic 10, and the West Coast Conference. And Tom has the Missouri Valley, the Mountain West, and, of course, the Ivy League. Yeah. So anyway, the top six conferences, we wrote down for four of them, the preseason coaches poll. And then for the Big Ten and the ACC, uh, I guess they didn't do a coaches poll. They have this is a media poll. And so the the game is this. We're each going to pick five teams in a draft. Um, Who knows if we're thinking about the same teams or not. And we're going to say over or under their uh, preseason pick. Uh, prediction and then we'll get points every point that they achieve over that or under it based on our prediction if it's the right prediction we'll get a points for that this is based on conference tournament seating and everyone that if it's opposite that what we picked them we lose points so the idea is to, to gain points by picking in the correct direction of whether team is overrated or underrated within the uh, preseason poll um, Tom has the first pick anything you want to say to preface your first pick or to preface the uh, this whole thing we're doing here uh, no, I think we're good. What's the tiebreaker? Um, the tiebreaker, no tiebreaker. A, a tie is a tie. Okay, so I get the first pick again. Very lucky. I'm taking Kansas State as overrated. I think yes, they bring Ooh. everybody back, and Dean Wade was hurt last year, and Dean Wade is good at offense, and they went all the way to the Elite Eight. But did anyone look to see who they beat on the way to the Elite Eight? They beat UMBC in the second round. Yes, they beat Kentucky, but that Kentucky team was not very good. Then they lost to Loyola Chicago, and a chance to go to the Final Four and truly make some history. And they lost 12 games overall last year. This team is fine, and Bruce Weber I feel bad for because he's perfectly adequate as a coach, if not good. And Kansas State just has wanted to fire him for the last, probably since he got there. But I just don't see, just because, I think they're, I think they're, they're picked second in the Big 12, we should say that. And I think they'll, 
Yeah, I think there's some teams that can pass them, uh, which I may get to later. But I'm taking Kansas State is overrated, and I think they will not finish second in the Big 12. I definitely had them on my board. I had K-State and the under on my board. Um, so I think that's a good pick. Oh, my first pick here. Um, I'm going to take... Oh, man, this is a tough one. I'm going to take the under on Missouri, which is picked ninth in the SEC. So that's a little bit risky to pick a ninth-place team to go under. But the SEC, I think, is really, really good this year. And Missouri just lost their best player, Jonte Porter, to injury. Um, they lost a lot from last year's team. They don't have great shooting. I don't really trust Conzo Martin as a coach in general. To see what he did with that Jalen Brown team at Cal was basically borderline criminal. Um, and and I am, I'm not that high in Missouri in, in general. And then when they lost Jonte Porter, I figured that um, – Nine was too high for them. So I'm taking the under of Missouri at number nine pick in the SEC. As a Kansas fan, I'm not going to argue with that. So <laughs> We picked Missouri Good and thing. Kansas State under. Wow. Good, Good luck. I hope you're right. <laughs> um, the next team I'm going to take is I'm all in on Jamie Dixon and the TCU Horned Frog. I think that Ooh. he's one of, the, one of the great coups of college basketball. In the last several years, is Jamie Dixon leaving Pittsburgh and TCU getting him down in Fort Worth? I think that that conference is there. I don't really, I'm not really crazy. So they're finished, they're picked to finish fourth in the Big 12. So I'm not really crazy. Tied for fourth. fourth. So we'll call it 4.5. Four, four yeah. I'm not really yeah. crazy about Kansas State, as I documented. West Virginia, aka Press Virginia, is a team that is a total wild card. They lose a defensive guard in Javon Carter, who's gonna who's integral to their system. Huggy Bear, we all know what he can do uh, with defense and how his teams gel. And personally, if I never watch another West Virginia basketball game with Bob Huggins as the coach, as long as I live, I'll be totally fine. It is unwatchable. Um, <laughs> serious, unwatchable. Seriously, who wants to watch that? Like, is it effective? Is it is he a great coach? Yes. Is he gonna get in the Hall of Fame because everyone makes the Hall of Fame? Yes. But is that something that anyone wants to watch? <laughs> No, it's not. Okay, so yeah, because everyone makes the. They hall do of like it's a re- it's a pretty low threshold to make the uh, the hall. Is Bo Ryan a really? Should he really be in the Hall of Fame? What did he do? Did he get in the Hall of Fame so. already? Because yeah. of all his like D oh. three stuff. I mean, the, I mean the the, the, the basketball Hall of Fame is kind of a joke. Yeah, let's face yeah. it. Like, but I, I do think that he's a good coach. I just think that um gets carried away. Anyway, was I talking about West Virginia? Or was I talking about TCU? <laughs> TCU. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Robinson, Jalen Fisher, their offense is amazing. When those guys are on the court. I think they will be very good. I think that with actually sorry, when Fisher's on the court and Robinson's off, they averaged one point three three points per possession last year. Fisher was injured last year for a lot of the year. I think they'll be great. I think that the Big Twelve is tough, obviously, but I really like TCU and Jamie Dixon. Jamie Dixon getting away from Pitt, I've heard described as one of the worst mistakes in college basketball in the last decade. And I think that what he's done with TCU, TCU was awful as recently as five years ago, one of the worst teams in the country, though they somehow beat Kansas one game, like one of the worst games ever in 2013. Uh, I like TCU to finish better than fourth and a half in the uh, Big 12. Okay. 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 Oh, man. This is tough. This is tough. Um, 
I'm going to take... Oh, man. I'm going to take the uh, under again on an SEC team. I'm going to take the under on Arkansas. Again, I think my justification for this is that the SEC is really good. And so a team like Arkansas that lost, I think, the most possessions and or minutes of any team in the... Um, uh, in the country, in major, major conferences in the country, uh, I don't expect them to be uh, very good this year. They do return Daniel Gafford, who's probably a lottery pick, but beyond Gafford, there isn't really anything returning of note. Um, so, and it's not like they have a top recruiting class coming in. Um, so, Mike Anderson, I think this is the year that they fall back, and they might fall all the way to the cellar uh, of the SEC. It's, it is one thing to note that Arkansas has never finished worse than ninth. I believe that's correct, in the SEC under Mike Anderson. They are picked to finish 10th, and I am taking the under. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Cool. My next pick, I'm going just as you think I'm not just doing it based off coaches. I am going to take Michigan under second in the Big Ten. Ooh. They have a lot of guys, a lot of offense to replace. They've lost so many names, including one guy with four of them. They lost Mo Wagner. They lost Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman, who always is a nice tongue twister at the Final Four. Duncan Robinson. And we all know Beeline's a great coach. He's very smart. He runs a great offensive system. And Michigan's made some runs the last few years. But they're a postseason team. And the last few years, they have not done too well um, in the Big 12 regular season. Last year, they finished fourth. I think they finished thir- fourth. Oh, well. tied for well, it was a three-way. No, they were no, they were tied for fourth with Nebraska. Oh, well. year before that, they went on that miracle run. They were fifth. The year before that, they were eighth. So they don't always. They're a great team and they're very dangerous, and no one should ever want to play them in March. But they don't um, always do so well in the regular season. So based purely on that, I'm going to take Michigan under second uh, in the Big Twelve. A big time, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree on Michigan. Um, if, you know, pick second seems really high to me. Uh, I think that the the conference in general is very deep, uh, not very top-heavy. So you, there's the, the difference between even one or two and eight or nine or ten is quite small. So there's a you could see, like, a lot of teams around, say, ten wins, and Michigan could end up, like, a seven seed in the Big Ten tournament, and you get you pick up five points right there, even if they go, say, I guess they have... 20 conference games this year, so say they go 11 and 9 or 12 and 8, they could still end up pretty far down the list. Uh, and they and like two of maybe even three of their um, starters are defense first players, um, and including Xavier Simpson, uh, Charles uh, Isaiah Livers, and even John Teske. You know Charles Matthews has had a kind of an up and down year last year. Um, Ignace Bradzikis, the uh, I believe he's Canadian freshman. He was going to have to add some scoring punch for them. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with that pick of Michigan under. seems like a, a good potential pick. Um, I am going next to um, – wow. I'm actually going to stay in the, in the Big Ten with another under. I'm going to go Nebraska in the under. And I know this is controversial. <laughs> Everyone's high on Nebraska. Um, I think the reason I'm not as high in Nebraska, uh, and again, I think five of our six picks have been under so far, so maybe we're a little bit negative in general, um, is that they're not very deep at all. Um, it's like a three- or four-man team. 
Um, they have Glenn Watson, James Palmer. These are all juniors. Glenn Watson Jr., James Palmer Jr., Isaac Copeland Jr. They also have Isaiah Roby, but after that it gets really thin. You could imagine this team uh, having a key injury um, or two and falling way down the standings. They're picked fourth in the Big Ten, so you know I feel like they fourth or fifth is probably the most likely place that they could finish, but it does feel like they could finish seventh, eighth, or ninth um, if things go the wrong way. I mean, you would need teams like Ohio State to maybe overachieve or Illinois or Iowa. Iowa's defense was, uh, has been so bad of late. Um, or even or Minnesota is kind of an up-and-down team. But I think I'm betting, similar to Michigan, like that the depth of the Big Ten could lead to one of these top teams falling way down the standings. Hmm. All right. That's a I can see I can see why you'd make that pick. I'm looking through the Big East. I'm just trying to see if I want to dare take a team in the Big East, but I don't know if I want to do that. So I don't know. The Big East is tricky. Yeah. There's only ten teams, so there's not as much room for yeah. uh, for growth. Yeah, I mean St. John's at fourth. I know there's some buzz around that. I mean, I feel like a lot of people would look at Providence at three and think they would take the yeah. under of that, which is just risky on this I'm podcast. But oh man. People listen to the first episode. You know, you started this entire existence of the show tweaking me so I'm just, that's all the reason i need i'm taking providence under maybe st john's or butler xavier we'll move up past them <clears throat> just doing that no reasoning other than just bite you there you go oh wow that's, but, I, but as hurts. someone who has watched providence basketball games with you i know the rules i will be rooting for providence very <laughs> speak when spoken to <laughs> me. okay i need two more picks this is uh this is this is hard um yeah, well, you came up with the game. So. I, yeah, yeah, it's a hard game. It's a hard game that I came up with. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the over on Texas Tech. Actually, Texas Tech is picked to finish seventh in the uh, Big Twelve. Only ten teams in the Big Twelve. But uh, just to clear that up. Only ten teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, they're picked to finish seventh. Um, Chris Beard has basically never had a bad team. He doesn't know what it means to to not be really good. Um, and a lot of people think because they lost so much from last year's team that they're not going to be good this year. But no one knew half the guys that were on the team last year before the season started. Let's be honest. Um, you know, they, they lost oh, Zaire Smith, Keenan Evans, who are two obviously big losses. But they bring in Matt Mooney, who's a great uh, grad transfer from South Dakota, and Tariq Owens, who's a really good chop blocker from um, uh, St. John's. Kayvon Moore is a guy that I follow a little bit in high school. I don't know how ready he is to contribute to the Big 12 level, level as a freshman, but they one site I've seen has him projected as a power forward starter for uh, for Texas Tech. Um, and they also return uh, Jarrett Culver um, on the team as well. It's a little bit risky. This is a coach bet for sure, but um, I say Chris Beard is going to finish higher than seventh, even in a very, very good Big 12. I, I really like that pick. I was looking at them too, not enough to pick them before I picked Providence. But remember, they went into uh, they went into Kansas last year and smashed Kansas. They went by 12 points at Lawrence Field. So that was the first of many losses that Kansas had last year for them at home. So it was a very impressive game. I know there's a lot of turnover, but I think there's a lot of room in the kind of the, the Big 12 is very good and deep again. But there's the difference between someone finishing seventh and finishing T fourth or third is, is like could be one or two tr- really tricky road games. That conference is not easy. Every game is a slog or is a tough game. So I can totally see Texas Tech um, moving their way up. I'm going to piggyback off your final four pick for my last pick and go Florida mm. over uh, fifth. 
in the SEC. I think somewhere between Kentucky's, I think the best team in the conference, obviously. Somewhere between Tennessee, Auburn, and Mississippi State, I think Florida can move up maybe one or two spots. Um, they're dangerous. They got a good freshman, Andrew Nembard, coming in. They have Jalen Hudson back as a redshirt senior. I think that um, they're under the radar, and I think that they're really a team. They, I think they were six seed last year in the tournament, and then they lost a lot of close games. Um, and I think that that's just they're kind of bound to uh, to turn it around this year with Mike White. So that's my pick. I'm taking Florida over uh, wherever they were uh, fifth. Yeah, fifth. I, I think that's a really good pick. I was thinking about taking them. They're on my board. Um, you know, I, I could see a Florida team even finishing fifth in the SEC going a deep run in the NCAA tournament, but they could also, I think, finish second or third. Uh, Mississippi State at fourth feels like a less solid bet considering Ben Howland's track record there. Um, although they, they did have a surprisingly good season last year. It went to the NIT uh, semifinals. Uh, they were better than I, I remembered them being. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, my last pick is going to be the over on Illinois. So Illinois is picked to finish 13th in the Big Ten, and I'm going to take the over on 13th in the Big Ten. Um, you know, they, they don't return all that much. Trent Frazier, Kipper Nichols, and Adonis De La Rosa, who's, who's uh, coming coming from Kent State as a seven-foot uh, transfer. Yeah, you're going with that. Um, Especially Illinois. Yeah. Maybe a movie set in Illinois. Is that kind of what you're doing? <laughs> oh, no. uh, is, is, that a, is that a The Fugitive reference? Yes, it is. Um, Oh, nice. Wow. Those of you who know The Fugitive very well, there was a time in that movie when uh, our, our hero, Harrison Ford's character, uh, Richard Kimball, um, Kimball also a stop on the uh, metro, uh, the, the T, not the T, sorry, the L in Chicago. <laughs> you just named um, two other subway systems. What do you name the L? Anyway, he takes um, uh, a cleaning worker's uh, name tag from Cook County Hospital um, and he basically peels off the guy's name and puts his own name, a, a fake name in his face over it. Um, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones, when they find uh, Harrison Ford's apartment, they see that uh, he's taken this ID and like transformed it. And also there are orange peels in the trash can. And so um, Tommy Lee Jones famously, at least to me, says, we're eating oranges, we're making fake IDs. Just IDs not and fake. then, yeah. Oh, he just said, make an yeah. ID. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And then he, he uh, looks at the uh, the other ID, the one with the other guy's name on it, and he says, Desmondo Jose Ruiz? Where are you at, Desmondo? Yeah. And then scenes cut. Anyway, that's a, uh, that's probably, a good... It's uh, probably on YouTube. If you haven't seen the movie, we recommend watching the whole film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I recommend recording it on your DVR and just keeping it there so you can watch whenever you want, although it's pretty much all on yeah, so at all times. Yeah. I, I've... I've I've had this idea of having basically a movie channel, which is just like the 12 <laughs> most rewatchable movies. This plays over and over again every day on different time slots. So you pretty much can always get a rewatchable movie, A Few Good Men. Anyway, so Illinois, um, they have a, uh, a, <laughs> a couple of good newcomers coming in as well, and Andres Feliz and Ayo Desumu. And I just, I believe in, um, I believe in good coaching. Um, and Brad Underwood's a good coach. Uh, last year, obviously, was not what he was looking to do, um, but he did a great job at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, he's a, a Bob Huggins disciple, although I, you just kind of were ripping him before Bob Huggins. No, um, I wasn't ripping him. I was and just then he went to, yeah. yeah. Same. 
just taking t- saying Jamie Dixon's better is what you're saying. I'm saying I don't like what Bob Huggins has done to the game of basketball, but I'm, I'm not saying it's not effective. Oh, okay. Like I don't like the shift True. in baseball, but it's effective. I don't like the th- press Virginia one three one, but it doesn't mean it's not effective. Anyway, sorry. Okay, well you can start a list of all the things that Tom doesn't like. Um, and <laughs> you know, uh, so, doesn't have enough space. And <laughs> Brad Underwood then went to Oklahoma State, had a great single season there, and then I guess he was being underpaid. He had a spat with the Oklahoma State uh, brass and ended up leaving for Illinois. Uh, I do think that he's a really good coach. He's got more of his players in there, and I think Illinois will finish higher than 13th in the Big Ten. Cool. So let's there, there you go. Is. Those are the five over-unders. And we ended up – let's just run through the picks again. I took Kansas State under second in the Big 12. I took TCU over fourth and a half. Tied for fourth in the Big 12. I took Michigan under second in the Big 10. By the way, there are uh, 14 teams in the Big 10. Uh, I took Providence mm-hmm. under third in the Big East, just as by Brendan. And I took Florida over fifth in the SEC. So I ended up with three unders and two overs. And uh, yeah. yeah. I was the same. I took Missouri under uh, at ninth in the SEC. Kind of a uh, sneaky pick because it was picked before John Hay Porter got injured. And then I picked Arkansas, uh, who, finished, who picked ninth, a tenth in the SEC under, I think a little bit more risky. I picked Nebraska, who was picked fourth in the Big Ten under. Uh, Texas Tech picked seventh in the Big 12 over. And Illinois picked 13th in the Big Ten over. And I think we covered every – we only actually covered four of the leagues. And there were no ACC teams picked, and there were no Pac-12 teams picked. Who knows well, what's going on uh, in the Pac-12? What are the odds? It's not a 1030. Fox Sports 1. Who knows? There's another one on Fox Sports One. You can watch it on your on Fox Sports yeah. Go if you're on if you're on the yeah. Go. Yeah. Anyway, that's a wrap for this uh, this episode. We're we're gonna be recording another episode right after this that will drop later in the week uh, to preview next week's opening games. But uh, we hope you enjoyed us taking a tour around some of the Final Four teams that we like um, and the over and underrated teams in the major conferences. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, some fresh faces in college basketball in the next podcast coaches, uh, transfers, freshmen, um, and as well as doing our picks of the best games of the first week of the college basketball season. What do you think, Tom? I think I'm looking forward to it. I did realize last night, though, that, or actually this morning, that opening night of the college basketball season is also election night, so it's going to be a lot of uh, interesting parties watching a lot of interesting stuff on television, but it could be a good distraction. Who knows? And a lot of puns, probably, by announcers of the basketball yeah. Anyway, until that day comes, keep your ear to the grindstone. Or the headset, or the headphones, or whatever. We'll see you next time. Should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid?